This is going to be a long one, but I can assure you that it is worth watching or listening to. My plan was to make shorter videos in this new season of Beamvoice, but we had so many exciting things to talk about with Antonio, and that's why we ended up with a much longer recording than planned. But like I said, it is definitely worth watching because you will learn a lot about what's happening with IFCJS and I promise you there are a lot of very exciting stuff. At the same time, I would like to thank you very much for all your support, for liking the videos, for leaving a comment or for being a subscriber. Thank you very much and see you around. Hey friends, welcome back to a new episode of Beamvoice. Today I continue my series of chats with Antonio Gonzalez Vegas, who is one of the main developers of IFCJS. Hi, Antonio, how are you doing? Hi, uh, well, we are very busy, but that's a good thing, I guess. So yeah, very, very well. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Okay, so today we are going to talk a bit about the milestones that IFCJS reached since its inception. And after that, we will talk also a bit about what they are working on right now and what can we expect from IFCJS in the future. So yeah, thanks, Petro. Yeah, perhaps today I will show like a picture of where IFCJS is. What have we done so far? What can people do with IFCJS? And also we will talk about the next steps and where are we mainly spending the time these days? Yeah, probably, you know that surprisingly, I come across a lot of people who don't know what we are or perhaps have heard about the project but don't know exactly what we are doing. I can understand that because probably you need like at least some development knowledge in order to understand the concept of a library and not an end user software. But yeah, mm -hmm. basically we are an open source framework that allows anyone to create BIM applications, right? So the idea is that, you know, the same way you can create video games with a video game engine, you can create BIM applications using IFCJS. You can use those applications to, I don't know, automate your processes in your company, sell those applications. And the cool thing is that because this is open source and free, whatever you do with IFCJS belongs to you. You don't depend on third-party licenses and you, you own the whole, the whole thing, right? This is just a small example of what you can do with IFCJS. This is just a simple viewer. I can open BIM models here, IFC models. I can select stuff i can i don't know i'm gonna open a small one but yeah i can select stuff i can move things around and as you see ifcjs is mainly based on the web and that means that you can actually integrate the beam application wherever you want you can as you see i've integrated this ifc model viewer in my presentation using reveal.js but you could integrate this anywhere we had examples integrating beam models inside a tweet in twitter we also made integrations with google drive obviously you can use this to create a, a full beam platform right so the idea is that anyone can use this library to create beam tools that can be used to rate and edit and create IFC files, as well as uh, manage assets, perhaps things like that, right? So you mm -hmm. don't have to pay for SaaS solutions that usually are very expensive and not affordable to, to everyone. Before you go further, can you please go back? So this is inside your presentation. It's like an iframe inside your presentation. Yep, yep. You can share the viewer in the form of an iframe and then you can integrate this wherever you want. In this case, I'm, this is in the presentation, but you could do it anywhere. Like, for instance, I don't know if you're familiar with Notion. It's very popular. Yeah, I'm using Notion for my everything. So I see you do it too. 
So you could, for instance, have a BIM viewer and then integrate that with Notion. So you would have the documents and the BIM models, or at least viewing the BIM models in the same place. So you could create perhaps, I don't know, BIM documents that contain references to the actual BIM objects that you're talking about in the tech, things like that. That's really cool and really powerful. And not only that, right? So we are talking about viewing it in the browser, viewing it in specific application. And on top of that, you can also create standalone applications using the Electron, right? Yeah, exactly. There's a tool called Electron made by Facebook, if I recall correctly, completely free and open source. You can use that to create desktop applications using JavaScript, which means that you can create this same thing. You can have that in a desktop application. So in the end, it's like a blank canvas. You mm -hmm. have everything you need to create your own BIM tool that is able to read and write IFC files and you can do pretty much whatever you want with it and this is a little spoiler but before the end of the year you will be able to create clash detection tools you will be able to create energy analysis tools property checkers information converters so that you can get all the information out of IFC files and dump that information into an Excel sheet perhaps or a Google sheet document or into a database if you're a more advanced user. So the idea with the project is very simple. We have the notion that BIM is hard and only big companies can create BIM applications that do not look amateurish or, or at least do not look very limited. Usually, mm -hmm. at least in my experience, you have two big groups of applications. You have the big guys that have a whole ecosystem of applications or perhaps a couple of applications but have a lot of features then you have the smaller players that yes they make business they have some clients perhaps even some big clients but generally when you look at those applications usually they are obviously more limited than the applications from the big players the main reason is that obviously you cannot expect a smaller company or a big company that doesn't have BIM software as the main business model to deliver the same amount of features of the big guys, right? So the idea with IFCJS is, okay, probably there's a lot of people that, you know, need the same features, right? And instead of trying to reinvent the wheel over and over again and start from scratch every time, which is in my experience what happens, because let's say that you want to build the new Navis works tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you want to build the new Solibri tomorrow, how would you start implementing it? Probably you would need to make a relatively you know, deep research. What technologies do you need? And then you would probably need to implement a lot of things from scratch. You wouldn't have anything available to help you unless you try to reutilize some, some of the technology that you have from the video game industry. And that's the thing, right? In the mm -hmm. video game industry, all the technology is available. So you can gather two or three people and they can make a super cool looking video game. What would our industry look like if we were able to gather two or three people and create something that mm -hmm. looks similar to the big applications, right? So that's the whole concept. Yeah, that's very, very important and very empowering. Yes, we definitely miss that package solution that can help us quick start a project. That, that's definitely a very important need. One important thing is that I believe in our industry, we make a strong division between the people that create the software and the people that utilize that software. Mm -hmm. that, that line is getting thinner and thinner as more and more people get into programming either using visual programming like Dynamo, Grasshopper and so on, or people that even dare 
to start making uh, scripts in the API of BIM software like Revit, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's the next natural step. Like, okay, now we realize that we can make software. So why make software in the API of a big application that requires everyone to pay an expensive license instead yeah. of trying to make something that do not depend on the players, right? That's, that's yes. That makes sense for me, but me again, I'm, I know something about development and uh, open source and so on, uh, but yeah, it's definitely making sense. Like, because we lack these tools, you have a lot of libraries for programmers, right? If they want to build a project, they have so many tools, they find everything open source and free, right? They can just put together and create some very, very advanced applications, right? And we don't have anything. So it's very, very, very nice that we finally are getting a platform that we can use for that purpose. And also, I believe this is obviously just my opinion, but I believe that now we are seeing a lot of companies trying to get into the BIM software market show up. And I've had a lot of meetings with a lot of them and each company has their own story, obviously like, hey, we have detected this problem. We are going to fix this problem. But, you know, what I see is that if you take a look at the big numbers, you realize that 90% of the market is in the hands of 10% of the players, more or less. So it's very unlikely that you are able to get out of that 10% left of the market. That doesn't mean that your company is not going to be profitable. Mm -hmm. That just means that there's a glass technological roof that you won't be able to surpass for a very simple reason, because you don't have the necessary resources to, to surpass that. It's like trying to go into a race and one person has a Ferrari and the other person has, a, I don't know. A, a horse. A, yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like that, something like that. And that's the thing, like, in my opinion, the thing that will improve the BIM market or the next big thing in BIM is realizing that if instead of trying to create individual scripts and trying to create small companies mm -hmm. in small niche problems, we start collaborating code-wise and we start building things together, the rules of the game will change because, you know, it will be very difficult for a single company, no matter how big that company is, to compete with cluster of 10 or 20 smaller companies working together in the same direction. Because one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that they say, okay, that sounds very good, but you won't be able to, uh, you know, beat or you won't be able to compete with the big guys. In my experience, I've worked in in BIM software for some time already. In my experience is that it is true that these people has a lot of technology, but at the same time, they also have a lot of technical debt. And that means mm -hmm. that they have to deal with code that is very old. And a lot of times they cannot change that code so easily. That means that they need a lot of people working in something and then they cannot move so fast mm -hmm. uh, in, in a nutshell. And the freshness of starting from scratch all together, you know, I think that is a very important competitive advantage when it mm -hmm. comes to software development. Yes, this project just has one year old, but before the end of this year, we will be able to create energy analysis, cash detection, and a lot of new stuff, right? It is very unlikely that you see a big company saying, hey, suddenly this year we have energy analysis and we have cash detection at the same time. No, no, no. Most of them won't do that. But you said something very important right there. And this mindset, like you've been approached by people that they have this idea, they want to implement it isolated or by themselves, right? And that is happening because we do not have this culture. We don't have this culture in our industry. Like you see, 
on these huge projects on uh, IT, right? Why do you think Microsoft is now one of the biggest contributors to open source? Can you imagine that? For a few years back, they said open source is the devil. <laughs> like they could not imagine doing anything with open source. And now they are one of the biggest, if not the biggest contributor to uh, open source. This is a huge challenge, but at the same time, it's a huge potential as well because our industry, it's very big. We have a lot of people and the more people we attract to start contributing here, little by little, little by little, you sum up into something very, very big that will definitely make a huge impact and not only make a huge impact, but completely turn upside down what is happening right now. And I'm very happy and excited for that. I think that the main reason why we are where we are right now is probably because most big software companies are run by people that know a lot about money and finance, but perhaps don't know that much about technology. And this is just a guess. I, I'm not mm -hmm. saying all the companies yeah. have this, but I've talked with multiple people from multiple, you could say, global big companies, and I've got that impression. And I believe that in the end, what we are doing in IFCJS, we are not inventing anything new. We are not, you know, trying to, we are just copying what we see in other industries. And I think that change will be very fast because one day we will wake up and we will see a massive greenwashing process in which suddenly everyone is in favor of open source and everyone is trying to, you know. And I think it makes sense because really, if you think about it, does it make sense that each company has their own thousands lines of code to make exactly the same thing? Mm -hmm. And a, a lot of people believe that, you know, when it comes to code, what costs money is writing that code, but that's not true. What costs money maintaining. is maintaining that code. <laughs> and the best code is the code that doesn't exist because that is the code that you don't need to maintain. And I believe that <laughs> when the industry realizes that, we will see a change and that's the direction in which we are walking towards. Yeah, I think there is another reason why they don't see open source with very good eyes. And that is because most of the people, when they hear about open source, they think about free software. They did not study or research what could be a business model that could operate with open source because you are companies running open source businesses, right? Of course, it's not the traditional way, it's not so easy, and it's something to invest time into, to learn about, right? But I think this is the default thought process. When somebody hears about open source, they think, oh, open source, I need to publish all the code and uh, I don't get any money from that. So why should I have a team that should produce that, right? They did not think this process, how could they provide support, how can customize some stuff for different companies and so on, right? But we are in this because we have become too dependable on these tools. And we did not invest any time in research and uh, in developing these tools like you are doing now and Dion is doing now and uh, everyone else trying to do this, right? Yeah, I actually believe that one common misconception when talking about open source is mm -hmm. thinking that if we talk about open source, it's black or white. It's either we are in a closed environment or either we all go open source. That's just my opinion, of course, but I believe that the winning formula is not everyone going open source. The winning formula is some people going open source and other people remaining closed source to, to keep the competitive advantage. It's important to keep a balance because in that way you create competitiveness, right? Which is something we don't have right now. 
because it's uh, like you say there are just few companies not monopoly because it's not only one but just are just few companies that have control on everything right yeah and that's the thing i mean i believe the winning formula is giving 100 closed source companies the weapons to fight a fair fight against the bigger ones mm -hmm. right and that doesn't mean they have to go open source they can remain closed source but just the fact that they base their business on open source technologies mm -hmm. even if they don't release their own source code yeah. i believe that's an important step because that the steps of realizing that you cannot win the fight by yourself you need we need to cooperate to to balance the market of course the eternal question and the eternal challenge in our industry and i believe another common misconception is that cooperation is always altruistic and i think it that is very far from the truth because you can always find business models in which both parts the open source part and the closed source part are mm -hmm. winning in the end yeah i agree but of course, involves more effort. And uh, when you sit on the top of, uh, of the food chain and you are the big boss, it's difficult to want to relinquish that power. You need to have somebody challenging you to do that. You won't just give it up because you are printing money, right? Why would you do something about that? Like it's us who are paying that money who should do something about it, right? Yeah, I mean, I cannot foresee the future, but in my head, if there was a critical mass of people that knew how to code. When I say how to code, I'm not talking about obviously Dynamo or things like that. I'm talking about, you know, software development. We would be able to, to make that challenge that you say. We would be able to join forces. And because the, the main challenge of all this, because obviously everything sounds very beautiful and but the main challenge right now is that generally you either have a software developer that knows nothing about them or you have someone that knows a lot about them but knows very little about software development because obviously software development is not just programming it's knowing the pieces that make us make up a software it's knowing mm -hmm. how to use uh, you know how an infrastructure works how software workflow works mm -hmm. things like that and i believe that if we manage to create more people that has that profile the industry will change for the better we are getting there i think with uh, people working so hard as you and uh, dion and everyone else working on this beautiful project we are getting more and more engineers getting coding skills being javascript or python or so on and they start trying to contribute a bit and a bit more and i think of course it won't happen overnight but the future looks much brighter than it was uh, looking two years ago let's say yeah let's see how things go i'm optimistic about this i i have a good feeling we are going to make it yeah no i mean i believe that there will be a big change eventually and hopefully not a very long time the biggest question for me is how that change will look like if that makes sense it's i'm sure that the oligopoly will no longer be possible if you have like 100 new beam companies offering the same for half the price. That just doesn't make sense market-wise. Mm -hmm. My question is, how will the landscape change when that happens? Because some, I mean, I come from the architectural background and I cannot help but think that sometimes when you operate on a landscape, you foresee changes, but suddenly it turns out that there was like a chain reaction and that change has unforeseen consequences. I don't think those consequences are necessarily bad, but I'm just very curious to see what happens. You cannot know that. It can be a platform that is not even existing today. 
that can come and disrupt everything. But what is most important? It's important to have these projects going on and people excited about this because something will happen. It might be on the IFCJS platform. It might be through other one that doesn't even exist today or through another one that is not so popular. You don't know, right? But as long as the mass of people coming into this see value in this and the, are joining forces, I think we are going to get there, but you cannot predict how exactly it's going to look. For instance, one thing that we will see happen in not a very long time, I think we will see the big tech companies get into the BIM market and big tech companies is not the companies that we have. Big tech companies is Google, Facebook, with all the metaverse thing. I think they are in a position in which it's very easy for them to see the BIM software market. And in, in fact, the other day I was surprised because I saw that in LinkedIn, you can find a lot of BIM people working for Amazon and also for Tesla. Yeah, I believe when they get into the game, things will get interesting. The better we get anchored into this before they come, the better for our futures, right? Because if you are not part of this, if you don't understand the process, if you are not involved, you are just going to be replaced. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just laughing because whenever I think about this, I cannot help but think about this, you know, very, very typical movie structure or story structure in which there's like a villain and then to defeat that villain, you summon something that in the end it's actually worse than the villain. <laughs> and then you have like a bigger problem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why solution must come from the from the people and must be open and uh, accessible for everybody. You don't want to become a part of uh, the metaverse uh, Mark Zuckerberg is building. You want an open metaverse where everyone can go and come and not one person is uh, making a lot of money and owning you, your time and yourself where you are, right? We we'll already have seen what I'm going to show now, but that's the idea we were talking about. Like it doesn't make sense to try to beat the market by yourself because mm -hmm. you will never be able to do that. And if you think you're able to do that because your idea is very good, it's just, in my opinion, delusional. That yes. doesn't mean you cannot make a living with this strategy, but I believe right now we are not just talking about making a company and making a living out of it. I mean, mm -hmm. We are talking about the industry and how to make it better. Yeah, that's the idea we were talking about. And yeah, for instance, we have this example, which is a BIM plus GIS application. This was made by Harry Colling using HeartGL and IFCJS not a very long time ago. The idea with this application, which again is in the browser, so we can embed that directly in the presentation, as you see, is that we were able to load IFC models directly in the browser and integrate them in a GIS environment. And by the way, this application was made in less than 48 hours for a hackathon. And you see that that is an IFC model that has been processed and loaded in the browser directly without servers or anything. And we can see that in the context of the city of San Francisco. You can see the wow. object. Yep, yep. And this was made in less than 48 hours. This is just an example of something that could be built with IFCJS, right? Imagine someone making something like this for free and giving that away to governments so they could handle their assets on a city level without paying absolutely anything, right? Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. paying half what they pay for the current property systems. Yeah, looks looks very, very, very good. That's what you said before. You can also make desktop applications. In this case, this is a minimal example, just 16 lines of JavaScript. Obviously, there's more boilerplate behind, but the 16 lines are the lines that you need to actually write mm -hmm. as a developer to get this up and running. And in the end, you generate a bunch of files. And if you double click on the X file, you see the same that I show you, but in a desktop, this is a window. It's an application, standalone application. Yeah, yeah. And you could also build that with for Mac, for Linux or yeah, whatever. Even 
relevant for mobile because if you use React Native, you can also yeah. create mobile applications that have that integrated. Did you use React Native in this case? Or? No, no, that was Electron. React Native is for mobile. And this is a small example that Yasine did. Yasine is the lead of Sigma Dimensions, a BIM software company using IFCJS. And they actually contributed to the project, giving it 4D capabilities so that, you know, you can access this kind of information if it's in the IFC and you can create this kind of diagrams in which you see the planning and mm -hmm. you combine that with, you know, visibility of elements. So you can make this super well-known animation in which you see how the building is being constructed throughout the process, things like that. That's so cool. And uh, that's looking really, really nice. Wow, reinforcement. Yeah, and this is being run in the browser. And obviously you see that this is a huge model. So yeah, regarding, I mean, the, the video quality is not very well, but you can like probably see more or less that this has a lot of geometry. And in spite of that, it can be displayed efficiently. So, I mean, a lot of people, when we say we are using JavaScript as a base technology, they say, hey, why don't you use C++ or more efficient languages. In the end, today, JavaScript is powerful and you have tools to make it run smoothly, both mm -hmm. in the browser or in desktops or mm -hmm. mobile. So, yep, this is not a technical limitation. Who did this? Can you share that? Who did mm -hmm. that reinforcement? That is from, actually, let me let me check because it's here. It's called Franklin Cabrera from QC mm -hmm. Engineers. They let, let us the model to test the library. So nice. Yeah. Also, we are able to generate CAD floor plans. So if you have a BIM model, you saw that it was like less than 100 lines. You can load an IFC and then you can automatically infer the floor plans by the, I mean, in a couple of lines of code, you are able to process the floor plans and export them. And then you have all the layers. You can decide which elements end up in which layer with which color and which name, the type of line of the layer. So you have complete control of the CAD drawing that you generate out of the IFC model, sorry. So yeah, that's another use case. But you need the interface for this, right? You need to write code now to make that uh, possible, like to change yes, the colors you and so on. You have to keep in mind that we are not mm -hmm. building end user software, we are building the pieces that you need. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. can do this if you know how to code, you can do mm -hmm. this in one afternoon if, if you like. Yeah, that was to show the performance. We had more than 50 models. This was made by Colas Arellano from... Wow from Canadian University, uh, Carleton University, actually. And yeah, you can see that he can move around. Again, very performant. Yeah, I mean, in the end, they could use that. That was the campus of the university, so they could use that to manage the assets that they have. And if they have sensors installed in the building, they could show that sensor using 3JS 3D tools. And they could see, they could provide an application that would let the building manager to see that information in real time together with a BIM model and do things with that information. Yeah. And you transform it in a digital uh, twin then. Yep. Yep. Uh, but he did not have too much stuff there. He did not build any other features, right? He just yeah. put together all those models. Yes. But you can use this to create, if you want to make a building, a digital twin platform, yeah. Obviously, IFCJS is just the BIM part. A digital team platform doesn't have just BIM. It also has infrastructure, storage, authentication, authorization, programming stuff that you need to be familiar with. But the thing is that those things are already ready to use and documented. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the only missing part for building a digital team platform was what we are providing in IFCJS. So we are trying to build a piece in a ecosystem of pieces that are already available to anyone. And that's 
something that I believe it's one thing that might change because right now a lot of people is paying for proprietary digital twin platforms, right? Yeah. And the business model of those platforms is that a lot of times the big companies prepare everything so you have everything ready. When I say everything, I'm referring to things like letting you store the files in their servers, letting mm -hmm. you document version in, the, in their servers, things like that. If you did that yourself, obviously, you need to code a little bit, but that is like 10 or 100 times cheaper than purchasing that as a SaaS system. So with IFCJS, anyone can create their own digital twin platform and either use it or sell it around, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as I said, the next steps, uh, we are with energy simulation, glass detection, perhaps a little bit of rendering as well. Cost estimation, this is something that we are already do. Document generation, like DXF, PDFs. Although the fact that this is run in any browser or this can be run in any browser, in my opinion, also changes the rule of the games because you could have a document that is a Notion document in which you have perhaps a report of the rebars and then you have a window that lets you see not only the 2D floor plan of those rebars or whatever, but also navigate around and click on a rebar and it would be like an interactive document, right? I think that can easily be done with IFCJS. As for contribution, right now, these are the main contributors. There's two kinds of contributions, by the way. We have code contributors and a lot of these people is also contributing with code and people that prefer to contribute with money. So we have recently opened an open collective account, which basically means that we have a transparent piggy bank that allows anyone to put money into the project and they see where we spend the money. You can check it out if you want. It's actually like here, Open Collective, IFCJS. Yeah, you can see here basically all the people that has contributed and companies, how much money are we doing and where have we spent the money? So yeah, we are very, very happy with this because we are getting right now approximately 500 a month, more or less. And so far we have done things like purchasing a domain, registering the trademark of IFCJS at a European level, because in not a lot of time, we will also be making much more money because of the courses that we are preparing. And when we have more money, we want to organize hackathons to encourage people to create applications with IFCJS and give monetary prices to the people that win, obviously, highlight the community, perhaps organize events and more stuff. We want to 100% of the money that we get is going to be poured back into the community. That's really awesome because that is going to supercharge the development if you do that. So yeah, that's very noble and uh, very thoughtful of you yeah, to not rely on the project. One spoiler, for instance, one of the things we have talked about, and this is an internal thing that I think is interesting. One of the things we have talked about, we have an estimation of more or less how much money we will make and we made the math. And one possibility is using GitHub bounties, which basically means that if someone solves an issue in GitHub, they get money for it. And we could give like, I don't know, $200 or $100 per issue. And that would mean that if you go to a GitHub in IFCJS and solve an issue, you automatically get $200. That's smart. That's really smart of you to think like that. That will definitely accelerate. Like you do that and I will promote out of this. So that is where we are in terms of contribution and so on. This is just starting, but we are very optimistic and we hope that this will get us very, very far. Yeah. And also, I mean, the people that contribute get a lot of things in exchange. This is not just contributing for free. As I said, we are preparing programming courses and the people that contribute to the project will get a huge discount of those 
courses, I believe. The base price for those courses is 100 and the people that contribute can get them for $25 only. So yeah, also they get prime support, they get our help with their projects. If they're a company, they get our consulting services. We will organize hackathons and perhaps some of them are exclusive to the patrons. We call them patrons, by the way. So yeah, and also we offer our networks to make visibility of what they are building with IFCJS. We are trying to not just ask for money for free or for altruism. We are looking for ways in which in the end, everyone wins. We win because the project goes forward, but the community wins because they get things in exchange. They mm -hmm. get money back, they get uh, merchandising, they get uh, access to hackathons and streams and courses, things like that. Can you show me please the page where all this is happening, where you are in contact with the patrons? Sorry, uh, which page? Where do you post this content specifically for your patrons? It's on Patreon page? No, this is open. This is an open page. You can access that. I can send you the link, but this is an open page explaining the... Generally, we have a exclusive Discord channel in which we communicate with the patrons and they let us know what they want, the problems they have, what they would like us to make with the library, things like that. And yeah, but surprisingly, I mean, we are offering all of this, but towards surprise, most of them just are contributing just to see the project grow. They don't even, I mean, they obviously are very grateful for this, but they would contribute even if we didn't give anything in, a, in exchange. So that makes them very happy. No, for the hackathons, you will get people interested from IT. When you will do that, I will definitely hit my contact list of programmers, my friends, and let them know. That's definitely very good. But you say who? Who are you? Part of you? Who are the other people? The core of the team? You mean the maintainers or the patron? I mean who you are working with, the core team you are working closest to. The core people right now in the project is Apogea, which is a engineering company in Spain, and they are very, very interested in the project. They are helping actively prepare the courses, disseminate the project and so on. Specifically, Jesus Valderrama is one of the main contributors. And also Harry Colling, which is from Studio 3DX, also known for Parametricals. They are very active. So I, we would say that these two companies, together with my company, which is Autility, right now we are the three main contributors to the project. The one that are organizing everything and the maintainers we call ourselves. But what about individuals? Aren't there any personal developers that are contributing significantly or to some degree at least? Recently, Jasine from Sigma Dimensions contributed with 4D functionalities, which is very nice. Also, there was people from Modulize. I don't know if you have seen the startup. Modulize, no. they have also recently made a pull request. Very, very nice from them. And they are also very excited about the project. Yeah, I don't know. The thing is that we are finding that a lot of companies would rather give us money than give us code because, I don't know, perhaps coding BIM is intimidating for now. Mm -hmm. So, But yeah, those are right now the main people. But if you're curious, you can see how many, like if you go to the NPM repository, I don't know, for instance, and this is where uh, you can see the number of downloads of the package. Yep. It's 1.5K weekly, more yeah. or less. But it's increasing a lot. It's very nice, the increasing rate, I see. Yep, yep, yep. The graph looks very good. Yep. So we hope to keep going up. Of course, don't hope. It's just going to happen. But uh, something else, the course. Everyone is expecting the course. What is happening? When is done? When yeah, people are yeah, asking, um, are, are spamming with this question. Yeah, we have found that 
I mean, whenever I make this presentation, a lot of people get very excited, but there's a lot of people saying, I would love to know more, but I know nothing or almost nothing about development because, you know, one thing mm -hmm. is to know to script in Dynamo or I don't know, to make a couple of cool things in Grasshopper or perhaps even in the Revit API. Another mm. different thing is to be familiar with software development workflows because each ecosystem is different. It, it's not the same if you're making mobile development, web development, and so on. Perhaps they have never worked with Git, with libraries, things like that. So we have thought that one nice way of make a win-win is start organizing courses in which we share all the knowledge that we have the knowledge because obviously I'm an architect and now I work as a full-time BIM software developer. What path did I follow? What technologies did I learn? So we are going to organize multiple courses on this, on IFC in general, on advanced development, things like how to build your own BIM platform from scratch and all the technologies involved, things like that. But the first course that we are going to release and actually you can like If you go here, you see the courses like we are organizing. Is the IFCJS crash course, and the idea with this course is to give people that perhaps are familiar with BIM but do not know much about professional software development to get their feet wet with what I know. We will teach them JavaScript, HTML, CSS, Git, uh, npm, obviously 3JS, IFCJS. And in the end of the course, the idea is that they will be able to do the things like the demos that I show you in the in the presentation. They will be able to make their own BIM applications. And also they will be able to create web applications in general. This course is thought mainly for people that either haven't programmed before or that have programmed a little bit, perhaps in Python, or but they are not familiar with web development. And we will give them all the tools that you need to get started with the technologies surrounding IFCJS. I can show you, this is a super like... That sounds awesome, but I have another question. What yep. is the format of the courses? Is going to be a video course, a text course, or interactive course? This is work in progress, but I can show you in Premiere. The idea is that the course will be organized in sections that you see here, and each section has an array of lessons Yeah. And if I get into a lesson, for instance, this one, there's a video course explaining everything, but also you will have the whole explanation in a written way, in a structured way, so you can follow it here if you don't like my Spanish accent. And also, <laughs> one cool thing is that this is very interactive because you will have all the code that we develop directly here. Let me... What uh, app is that that you use in there as an iframe? This? Yeah. This is Visual Studio Code. This is IDE that we will be using in the course. Okay. But you can use that in Notion, like an iframe. Yeah, you can. It's just read, not write, but yes, you can use that. And you can see the whole structure of the things that we are developing. And also here we will have live demos. So you can like literally inspect what you do or what we are doing. Also, one cool thing is that for questions, we will have an exclusive channel, but also you can ask questions directly in the course. So you can see what other people ask and you can follow the conversations so that, you know, 
your doubts can serve other students. So you are really using Notion for this and publishing everything like a page. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, that's that's impressive. Yeah, because our idea is not to use too much time or resources to make a huge website. Exactly. The main business is not making courses, at least yeah. for now. So yeah. we rather use Notion because that let us control who can access yeah. it and focus on what matters, which is the content, the videos, and obviously the continue developing IFCJS. I completely agree with you. Yeah, that's very well thought. Very, very good. I can't wait for this. Do you have an estimate when the first part should be released? Yeah, we plan plan to release this module by module, not everything at the same time, because that way we can also get the feedback from people and adapt yeah. the rest of the course to it. We estimate that this month we would release at least the first modules. And then from that time, we want to release two modules per month or three modules per month. So that's more or less the estimate because maybe we release it and there's like suddenly 1000 students asking three or four questions each. So that will require more time too, but yeah. Maybe you'll need a module that you don't, you are not really aware about if you get too many questions about something. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. But we are very happy with how this is looking so far and we really believe that this is just the start. The idea is that in the end, we won't only provide the industry with IFCJS as a technology, but we will also provide them with the knowledge that they need. And obviously, again, one could say, hey, yeah, but you could make those courses free. And the answer is yes, we were considering that. But also because we want to make cool stuff like hackathons, events, mm -hmm. we want to pay people to help in the project. Yeah. And to do that, we think that we take a look into the prices of uh, BIM masters and BIM mm -hmm. courses. And we really believe that the price is relatively cheap. It's very affordable. Yes, yes. Yeah. And we, we can use that money for something that everyone wants, which is IFCJS yeah. going forward. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you. And something else you can do further on you can have maybe one or two modules free so people can try and see what is this about, right? before they buy if they are interested or later on when you will have more courses released maybe you can have this which is going to be the very basic one you can have it for free or something there are different approaches to this down the line i mean but uh, it's definitely pretty affordable and especially like you said if people are uh, contributing to patreon then it becomes much cheaper so uh, that makes it pretty affordable for uh, most of us at least yeah also one note just in case i'm not sure who watches who your usual public is but we are also concerned about you know, not every country has the same revenue, of course. Yes, of yes. The global economy and so I on. was thinking about the same. We have something that we called adaptive discount. And I mean, this is just a basic system we came up with, but I, this is just a draft. But the idea is that if you are living in a country whose average salary is below $1,000 a month. You can apply a discount that is proportional to the difference between the average salary and those 1000 For instance, if in your country the average salary is 500 a month, you can get everything, both the courses and the patron, half the price. We are trying to make this adaptative so that if there are people from countries with a different economical situation, we can also offer them everything at a fair price. Yeah, that's very, very good and very thoughtful because it's important. Those people need also to get into this movement as well. You don't want to ignore because you will have a lot of people there, right? So uh, you want to get that uh, mass of people with you on this journey. 
Yep, yep. And again, this is not about like making ourselves rich because as you know, we all work in different companies. We already have a job. This is about making the project sustainable. And I think it's not so yes. much about making a lot of money, but making the people involved and using the money that we get to, it's like a plant. You pour back the plant. That, yes, yes. I thing. completely understood. I did not understand uh, anything else. This is my uh, understanding as well. So if there's just a, I mean, obviously this is spam, but if there's anyone wanting to get the courses, if you become a patron this month, you would already have the courses way cheaper. So you would like to check the patron page and see how the discount works. How much cheaper? Tell me briefly how the discount works. Yeah, I don't think it's fair that someone that has been three months in the pattern has the same advantage as someone that has been just one month. So we are applying what we call a fidelity discount, which means that for every consecutive month that you have been a patron, you get a $15 discount to a maximum of $25, meaning that if you have been patron for five months, all the courses, not only this one, but the following courses, you can get for $25. Only. Mm -hmm. And there's another thing that is called corporate pattern. As you see, we also have companies, not just individuals. The pattern for individuals, I believe it's $5 a month, which I don't think it's a lot. But again, the other discount also applies on that. So mm -hmm. hopefully that's affordable for everyone. But the idea is that every month you pay $5 for being a pattern and you get $15 discount in all the courses. So that's in our opinion a win-win. For corporate patterns, they have all the courses for free. So that's more or less how it is. The minimum contribution for that is $50 a month or? Yep, 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 for corporate, but we are not talking about individuals. We are yes. talking about companies. So 50 is not that much for a company. Yeah, 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 I agree. But again, adaptive discount. If you say, hey, but my company is in a country, whatever, don't worry. Yeah. That sounds very good to me. Yeah, and with this system, even even without having released the first course, we are already making, as I said, 500 a month. So we are really eager to see how the community grows and to be able to have a critical mass of money to start organizing cool things like paying the people that contribute or hackathons and everything that I said before. We are very excited. I am also very excited. <laughs> I can't wait for this to catch fire. And yeah, uh, this is it from my side. That's the end of the presentation. Thank you very much. It was very insightful and uh, I'm very excited and pumped up for this. And uh, yeah, join ICJS. Join the movement. We need your help. You are important. We can make a difference together. The more, the better. Cool, Antonio. Thank you very much for joining me. It was a blast. Thank you very much and see you next time because you are going to come again. I promise it. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for the invitation. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.